0: Welcome to the Mike Hewitt show. 10 years and growing. It's about family, business, work and politics like you've never heard it before. Yep, it's true. There's more than just a touch of wry humor mixed in and
1: now your host, Mike Hewitt. Folks, I am Mike Hewitt. Co-host Miles Bauer. Hey Miles Bauer, good good news. I found the Republican party. It's in Florida. Right, uh, a little of it's in Texas. Um, <laughs> I do your your cursory overview. What'd you think of the uh, midterms?
0: I'm still confident that we're going to take both both houses. Okay, I'm <laughs> listen. I'm on your team.
1: I believe we absolutely have the the uh, house. Um, by, by,
0: by the time this is heard. Um, I guess we will probably know
1: that, but uh, well, Herschel Walker is going to be a runoff in December, and I yeah. and I, so we we don't we won't know that. Um, and I got I got to tell you, I'm talking about this the uh, the red tsunami wave, etc. Um, you and I boo hooed that for the last sixty days or so, both right. on air and off air. But I got to tell you. I got a little Ludwig-ish or squishy because of you and I both seeing comments from Victor Davis Hanson and Newt Gingrich. I hold both in very high regard. Both of them were about as wrong as possible on this particular cycle. Um, That was shocking from that regard. Beyond that, you and I have been spot on. So a trickle at best, but... We we get that smoke blown at us in every cycle for yeah. the last decade or so. Were you were you going, oh, boy, another tsunami. I looked back at show notes last week from the first year you were on, and they were talking about a tsunami, and there was pictures all over Facebook. And you go, you know, come on, stop. I, listen, when I look at the midterm election, I think a handful of things I want to share with you, Miles, and tell me if I'm if I'm right or wrong on these things. The first is is we're about as evenly divided as we could possibly be, and the idea that there are a big mass of independent voters in the middle, by the way that I've been wrong about, uh, the idea that there are independent voters is just isn't true. There may be some folks to your point along the way about you know, whisper voters or secret voters or shy voters, I think you called them, but they're Democrats, and that's just what we just watched. They may not say, yeah, I don't care about inflation uh, as much as I do abortion, um, but they do. And so Ludwig would say it's the social issues we lost on. Part of me wants to agree with them, but part of me wants to say, no, I don't think so. Folks are on the blue team or on the blue team, period. Facts, figures, math, future, how COVID was handled and all the things that the right was was focused on are simply not in their window. It's blue. Period. If you got a D, you got my vote, and if
0: you don't, you don't. And Miles, what do you see on that path? Yeah, I I I think that we're both we've I think both sides of the aisle has dug in. Yeah. And and they aren't they, they aren't coming out. They are gonna hold their uh, ground. Although I do do have to tell you, from an outsider perspective, yeah, I think Michigan is a lot more blue than we previously or than I previously thought.
1: Yeah, I, I gotta I gotta tell you, the Democrats in the state of Michigan are masterful at using ballot initiatives to get their folks out. And what I've always said about the Republican Party, and I'm going to guess that they say it about their own party apparatus, the machine, is that our goal isn't ideological, it's to get the vote out. And so last week and the week before, one or both of us made a shot at Biden, and I know that I brought up their their House Majority Whip, can't think of his name now, but both of them and several other national figures on the Democrat side we're saying, oh, if you don't vote, you know, the, the democracy is in is in peril. It's in grave danger. Democracy will fail if you don't vote. You and I looked at them like they were nitwits. We laughed at them. But the other side, they took that seriously, and it actually drove turnout. So if if the Democrat Party is a get-out-the-vote machine, it's better at it than I think we gave it credit for. And in Michigan— their ballot initiatives, the abortion one specifically, uh, if you look at the polling of Democrats where inflation is versus where abortion is, and the irony to that math, Miles, is that over the last decade, forget the Supreme Court, forget ballot initiatives, every year for the last actual 15 years, the numbers of abortions both by number and percentage have shrunk with each year. And and yet it was a battle cry for for them. Um, I, that's, it's a fascinating thing to me. It's like if I if I was in social studies class, which I, I am as a, as a, a hobby probably, I, it's just a fascinating thing to me.
0: Right. No, and you know, the, the other thing that, that, that kind of jumped out at me was the uh, cognitive ability of Fetterman... And yet people in Pennsylvania did that to that poor man. I, I got to tell you on that
1: exact point, though, when I was waffling early on after the election, I was waffling on whether whether Ludwig was correct when he said it's about the liberal, the uh, social issues that caused them versus our side, which is about, you know, e- economic solvency. He right. thinks that are great candidates both. I. Uh, and then what stopped me from agreeing with him when I realized, <laughs> I'm sorry, Ludwig, wherever you're at, when I realized how wrong he is, is exactly the point you're making. Those folks voted for Fetterman knowing he's got mental cognitive disorders. I, I'm, not, I'm not being mean. I'm not besmirching him. The guy has a mental problem. And they voted for him because he was a D and nothing else mattered. Uh, that's tribalism. In its extreme, yep. right. Um, the the other point, Miles, I want you to elaborate on. You brought it up back in the sixteen primary. We're down to a couple minutes before break, but I, I, I we got to touch on this, and that's in a real. Your I can't I can't quote you. I got to paraphrase, but a, a realignment of the political parties post World War Two. Tell a, touch on that again for a minute, Miles Bauer.
0: Yeah. I- I think that we were talking about how the working class is moving from the Democrats, which they always classically were, towards the Republicans. Right. And we started seeing that in 16. Right. Think about what occurred in this cycle. Miami-Dade County used to be deep blue. Right. And it's it's now moved to purplish red. Right, it voted it voted Republican
1: in yeah. this cycle, and, and it did it before, but not nearly to the m- margins that they're that they're seeing now. When I look at it, Miles, an overview of of what I'm seeing with the party realignment is that the left used to make fun of the Republican Party. We had the the remember the banker guy in the Monopoly game. Yep. That's how they would characterize the Republican Party. Now it's the opposite. The Republican Party are grassroots activists, workers. By the way, a lot of union workers forget union leadership, but union workers are voted voting Republican. But meanwhile, the money people, the big banker from the Monopoly game, man, if you look at the funding of these candidates, you know a half a million dollars for the Democrats to get John Gibbs elected. Um, that's crazy, though. No. But they they have they got money up to their eyeballs. Um, that's a that's uh, so realignment what workers this way and money people that way. It's a fascinating trend. So, listen, stay with us, Miles. Folks, stay with us. We've got a lot more, and we'll be right back. All right, so just listen, folks, to finish up on that thought, Miles, tell me if I'm wrong, because I've I've kind of capsulated this in a single sentence. GOP for working America, Dems for globalist money. Is that a fair statement?
0: Oh, yeah. Uh, oh, yeah, sure. I mean, you know, when, when you think about, just look at uh, what Hunter did while Biden was vice president.
1: And continues to do, and they don't care. Yeah. They don't care, yeah. keeping in mind that, as we've talked about before, Biden as a candidate has been twice thrown overboard by Democrats, and they did that because he was a liar and a cheat. And suddenly none of that stuff is even part of the dialogue. It's just it's, it's just a fascinating change. But when I talk about global money and the fact that the Democrats are rolling in dough, like the banker card from Monopoly, it begs the question in my mind, I'm trying to be intellectually honest, About it. How is it that those folks don't care about the economy and inflation and coming layoffs? Folks, we've got a really bumpy ride heading our way. I'm just telling you. I don't care if you're a D or an R, we're all going to suffer together in what's coming our way. But I I don't get, Miles, how, how it is that the big money folks on the left and the lost coasts are okay with contributing to what they know is an economic train wreck.
0: Well, you know, the the other thing that, that hit me during the last segment, and I'd like to hear your uh, thoughts, how much of what occurred in this cycle resulted from all those blue governors redrawing the districts? I, I got to tell you, that's, that's literally
1: on my list. I'm glad you... I'm glad you brought it up that way. Redistricting is part of this. So in the 3rd Congressional District of Michigan, as an example, I know it very well because I chair it for the Republican Party of Michigan. Um, and we watched it go from squishy red, which I respectfully say about Peter Meyer, the outgoing congressman, uh, to uh, his, the, the guy that beat him in the primary, John Gibbs, I don't know if John... By the way, I like John Gibbs. Let me just say that. I think he's a very nice man. I don't know that he was a candidate that could have won. Even in the old district, that was the third. But post-redistricting, the third district became uh, Democrat by five, where was leaning Republican. And by the way, within Kent County, uh, which is where I live... Uh, we lost several, I shouldn't say several, a state Senate and a state House seat that have historically been Republican. And we lost them, not because we had good or bad candidates, but, but to your point, specifically because of redistricting. And when we went through the redistricting process in Michigan, I was a, a three, I called in three times at the committee that was voted. The folks voted as a way to handle redistricting um, as a a ballot initiative. They did public hearings, and you could call in or go in to state why you didn't think it should be one way or another. And I was a three-time Zoom caller into those committee meetings. And what I found was a group of folks that clearly had already made up their mind. They were literally doing their fingernails, they were staring into space they were reading stuff on their iPhones or their whatever phones the committee that i talked to that i addressed as a concerned citizen was completely disinterested in my comments but i had to wait through a hundredish people to get to my turn they were disinterested with every one of them uh, it was obvious no question about it that the 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 minds of those folks had already been made up. And I can't remember the numbers anymore, but it was supposed to be like five, um, folks, I'm paraphrasing, I'm being rough because I can't remember the exacts, but it seems like it was five Republicans, five Democrats, and four independents. But the governor, Governor Whitmer, got to pick all of those people. So to say that she picked, you know, Trump Republicans would be a lie. To say that she picked Rand Paul Republicans would be a lie. She picked squishy centrist Republicans, and I, I, I'm not ragging on those people. By the way, I hate labels, but I have to describe you for for you who who Governor Whitmer picked to do that. Um, I I was Miles. I think you're exactly spot on. Redistricting in a number of states went to this. And it causes me to pause to say, I can't whine over that. They just outflanked us. They just intellectually beat us uh, at campaigning. They really right. did. I'm not supposed right. to say that, by the way, but I'm not going to be dishonest about it. They did ballots. Well, nothing stopped us from doing ballots. We didn't do ballots. Uh, <laughs> I mean, I, it, it's it's modestly frustrating because a lot of this points to the fact that we're so hung up on the issues. They're good issues, by the way. But we think everybody acknowledges common sense, and they don't. The The folks that are our, our political opponents, they're not talking about any of these things. They're entirely worried about depower. This is power. Nothing else matters. Fetterman is proof of that statement. So was Biden.
0: Right. Yeah, no, and... You know the the uh, thing that I I uh, wonder about down here in Illinois, you know we're 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 going to cashless bail on Jan one. Right. I I honestly don't believe anybody down here realizes what how that is going to change Illinois, and and how they can somehow ignore or not understand what is going on in New York while they're going through yeah, but, cashless bail. But do me a favor, though,
1: Miles. Uh, tell folks, and me, me also, what does cashless bail
0: mean? Okay, so somebody can trespass on my uh, property. Somebody can commit second-degree murder. And there are a variety of other uh, crimes that, that they have laid out. So
1: if I yeah. if I accidentally run you over with my Jeep, I'm gonna be out on personal recognizance. Yep.
0: Yeah. You will not have to post bail. Yep. You will not be held. You will be released. Right.
1: So that's gonna that's we've got examples of of what takes place with uh, illegal immigrants, by the way, that are catch and release. And mm-hmm. it's not been a good thing for the communities that some of those folks are released in. And I don't want to paint with a big brush. I'm not talking about all of them. But there is a certain percentage that Southern governments are sending to us because they don't want the responsibility of dealing with them themselves. And then we catch them and release them. It is absolutely mind numbing that we're that naive. But again, the average Democrat, and by the way, they would say the average Republican voter votes are no matter what. They would be wrong about that because as a district chair and chair of the policy committee for the state Republican Party here in Michigan, I'll tell you this, we spent an entire year fighting over these issues. So it wasn't like everybody get on board and put your R shirt on. It was an absolute, uh, and I think that's healthy as much as I grind, whine about it. I think it's healthy that we have a vigorous debate over the issues. Democrats don't do that. They just put their D uniforms on and go vote. Is that
0: <laughs> Which one's a more healthy path, Miles? Well, admittedly, you and I are probably biased because we're we are big you know, making the arguments in the arena of ideas. Right. And I mean, it, it is very obvious that the other side, they, they don't want to make a case for their, their view. They would just rather say, Mike and Miles, you guys are bigots, you're homophobes, Right. you're white supremacists, right. and you're, you're, you're mega, mega, mega. What was that line that Biden used? Uh. Mega, mega. <laughs> I'm not okay. gonna be quoting Biden. I'm sorry,
1: Miles. I can't I, yeah. I can't I can't go there. Well listen, redistricting is certainly one thing, but there's a couple other components to this. Folks, stay with us. We've got to go to a break, but we'll be right back. Folks, if you're just listening, I am Mike Hewitt, co-host Miles Bauer. And by the way, homework time for me a little bit. Um, do me a favor. Take a look at themikehewittshow.com. Um, you'll be, you'll see spaces all over that website to message me. Tell me what you think, what you see, what you wished you'd hear. We would love to hear from you at themikehewittshow.com. And you can hear the show on a whole bunch of radio stations along with Spotify and Apple Podcast, and we're broadcasting from our flag station at WHTC, Holland Michigan 1450 am and 997 FM. Jared makes sure that we stay out of the ditch. Jared, thank you very much. He's saluting everybody. Uh, at any rate, listen miles when I when I <laughs> when I look at this, part of it is we've got to do some self diagnosis um, before we go forward. It isn't to beat ourselves up. I think that we did okay. I don't think that we got crushed like the media wants us to do and maybe like we feel, given that some of us had some pretty high hopes. But again, I'll reiterate, we're starkly, hugely divided. And that's the government that we have, Michigan being one of the few exceptions. Because we we now have a Democrat uh, three-party or three all all three of our branches of government are are uh, led by the left, um, but I got to tell you we're at that point where you and I will probably begin our 2016 debates again because as we come out of the fog of this battle, what's waiting for us is the next presidential election and that already feels like it's shifting into gear is that going to be a debate or are we going to be on the same team this time miles bauer
0: i i uh, saw the uh, show show prep where some of those articles were pointing at trump that it is time for the party to move on i am still a uh, trumper right i have nothing against desantis if desantis wins i will vote for DeSantis. But I I am I am still a Trumper because I'm still angry at Washington and I still want to throw bowling balls. Here's my problem, and this is not
1: an assault on Trump. But when I look at Michigan, and we might as well do a deep dive on this for a moment. When I look at Michigan's losses for the Republican Party, I don't want to say I blame them on Trump, but listen, state leadership for the Republican Party. Um, took direction from President Trump in terms of who our statewide candidates would be. Um, And that's a historic change. The state Republican Party, at least in Michigan, has never made endorsements. They just didn't. We stayed, the party stayed neutral. It would leave us between candidates and voters to decide. And I believe that that is the most appropriate action rather than having state party's thumb on the scale. Um, I I, I don't want to blame that on Trump, but he was part of that mix. And that mix and that happening, that change in direction, is largely what caused a lot of dissent, uh, um, negative discourse within the state party. The Detroit News, MLive.com, a number of uh, ink-slinger publications had a field day with our internal meltdown, and it was an internal meltdown. And so if if there truly is any independent voters left, and they sat there and looked to the left that looks united, whether it is or not is a separate conversation. It looks united. And the right looked like a free-for-all food fight. And if you're a guy sitting in the middle going, I don't know what I am right now. Do I look left or do I right? Do I go right? I, I'm telling you, most people don't like arguments. Most people, they don't want to. One of my daughters, I'm on my way into the studio. Do you want to come to the studio with me? No, I couldn't do that. Most people don't want to put their opinion out. Um, and I, so the folks in the middle, they look at it and go, wow, that's a food fight and that looks pretty clean. I'm going there. What percentage did that steer? Enough to make us lose the state legislature that we haven't lost in decades. I think, now do I want to blame that on Trump? Part of my problem is the only, and you've heard me say this a gob of times, but the only thing that uh, Tip O'Neill ever said that I agree with is that all politics is local. And I say that because I don't believe a president, a former president, I don't believe any of those people on a federal level have a role in helping to decide who my congressional representative is. I think the folks on the ground decide that. Um, what say you on all
0: of that, Miles? No, I, I uh, certainly agree that it is uh, local. So, yeah, I mean, I wouldn't. I, I just think that the the Liz Cheney wing of the Republican Party is going to point fingers at at, uh, Trump. A lot of conservatives are also.
1: Liz Cheney, by the way, I got to modestly correct you, is not a Republican. The last thing in the entire world that that person supports is a Republican form of self-governance. So if you can't support a Republican form of self-governance, not the party folks, I'm talking Poli Sci 101, if you can't support that, chances are really good you're not... A Republican Party person. It's just that simple. I I laugh at her, but I think there are a lot of good people that I know, at least within our state party mechanism, that have been in it like I have for a a number of years. I'm pushing 20 years into it, where we've never seen the food fights that we saw this summer. Uh, The Detroit News, as an example, has never had the opportunity to write the truthful articles That made us look the way we looked. And I think it's because a lot of folks had their hand in a cookie jar. It didn't belong there. Keeping in mind last week, Miles, I opined with some negative about all of the out-of-state money impacting our local races. I don't want this stuff federalized. That's that's probably my foundation. It isn't Trump or anti-Trump. I don't want my representation federalized. Whether it's my state senator that lost, by the way, whether it's I, – I just I, – I don't – I think we better be – as both parties and as a citizenry,
0: we better be very careful what we ask for. Yeah, no, I, I uh, certainly agree with that um, because I, I, I've even read articles and heard folks talking about um, – in order to circumvent the Constitution, which says that each state figures out how they conduct an, an election. But I've heard fo- uh, folks talk about coming up with federal standards, which I think is a slippery slope.
1: Well, they they wanted to do the uh, now I'm drawing a blank on the name where they the patch for. Pop, the Popular Vote Pact or whatever it was called. Yeah, uh-huh. Popular Vote Compact. I've seen that. I've seen it. And by the way, some Republicans had advocated for that. Um, one of them was uh, uh, Saul Anousis, who's, who's a former State Party Republican chair. Um, I consider him a friend. Him and I have had very aggressive debates over that topic uh, because it would absolutely silence all of the popular minority um, states, the smaller states, that would leave New York and California at the helm. And when this is everything that our founders wisely sought to limit, I don't want to lose my voice. Although, although some folks that listen to the show wished I would. <laughs> I get some snark mail from time to time from the left, which I like, by the way, just so you know, I'm, I'm ha- I'm smiling, having fun with that. We're down to seconds, but what I want you to stew on when we come back is this this Britney Griner, Griner, transferred to the Russian uh, Russia labor force camp. Um, I, I, I don't. <laughs> I guess we've made them we've made them some pretty significant offers to trade, and they're they're not uh, they're not listening, so. Um, anyway, we're down to seconds. Stew on that, Miles Bauer. But when we come back, let's pick up on it, folks. Stay with us. We will be right back. All right, Miles Bauer. I'm trying to get my head around this. Brittany Griner transferred to Russian forced labor camp. Uh, she was there for. What was it? Marijuana oil or something like that. Yeah. Um, and so it's a nine-year sentence, been appealed, lost the appeal, going to a labor labor camp. I don't think that—first off, i got to inject a thought. I don't think the left realizes how progressive or how liberal our system of incarceration is when we compare it to the rest of the world. Even places like uh, United Kingdom, where you're guilty until proven innocent, you and I, Miles, have debated over the years about our judiciary, and your response to me whining has always been point to a better system, and I haven't found one yet. Right. Um, right. What do you? What, is there an answer to this woman going through that nightmare, or is she just stuck there? And what do you? What do you think
0: we should do, or do nothing? Russia is a sovereign nation. Okay, yeah. they 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 allowed her to go over there. I guess to play play a game. She broke their laws. You right. know, right? And, and and so it it's it's different. I mean, um, unless we're planning on blowing up the planet to get her back, which would be you know meaningless. I. I I don't see where I, I, I don't to to my mind, I don't understand given the sovereignty of Russia, they get to do what they do. They absolutely do. And I and I agree by the way that they
1: should have that freedom. But then I look to our administration and I would do it whether it was Trump or Biden and say, is there something that they should be offering uh, to because I think that's what that's what Russia's doing is they're taking her, saying, offer something really grand, and we'll give her back to you. And I I see this as negotiations, um, Mm -hmm. negotiations 101. And, And because of exactly your point, I pause and say, wait a minute, how much should we give them? I've got nothing against her, by the way. I know nothing about her personally. But I ask, how much should we give away? Because she went to a country knowing the laws when she went there. Um, there are things I'm not going to do if I go to a foreign country. I, 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 I wrestle with that a little bit. So I guess it's an unanswerable question because it's, it's not ours to answer. Um, but right. I, I'm modestly concerned about it. So listen, CNN's Chris, um, how do you say his name? Kaliza? Am I saying it right? Where's Ludwig? That would, that would be my stab. Yeah, that's my stab too. He rips on James Clyburn for comparing... GOP to Nazi Germany, rule number one, his words. Rule number one, don't uh, just don't. And I've touched on this before, and I and I and I, I just feel I gotta do it again. When we, as a culture, left or right, use these terms, to say All right, he's a Nazi, she's a Nazi, that person is a Stalinist, that, I think we do such a grave disservice. To history, the people that those people murdered, uh, and our culture in total, to tell our children and our neighbors that we think the person across the street, because we don't agree with them on a particular issue, is a Nazi. I think that's nuts. I think it's absolute boneheaded nuts. And it's part of why the divide is so significant, because we use it as a cancel culture. Both sides do. I think it's beneath us to do that. What say you, Miles Bauer?
0: Well, and plus, it's also disrespectful to the um, Jewish folks. Absolutely. Who had relatives that were killed. Right. I mean, so it's like, okay, you disagree with me, but nobody's planning to set up concentration camps here, so... Let's, let's let the Nazis be the Nazis and you and I just disagree type thing. It, that,
1: but that's, that's, and it goes to something you said early today. That's your thinking that you just articulated is part of the arena of ideas thought process. So we all go to the arena uh, of ideas. We have a passionate debate. We vote and we respect the, the results and we go have a beer together. It's, it's it's not we go out and pound each other and call each other, you know, outrageous, crazy names where we disregard, to your point, not just Jews, by the way, but millions of people in total that were absolutely annihilated because of, and I don't mean this theologically, but because of raw evil that hurt people, and we're using it as, as you know, Twitter-level childish name-calling and identity I, I just I'm repulsed by it. And I've seen it, I've talked about this before, but I've seen it on both sides of the aisle. Where where back when Obama was president, they're making Obama look like Hitler. I I've I've seen the memes on both sides. Miles and I'm I'm not you've known me a few years now. I'm not one of those holier than thou kind of people. Right. But but I gotta tell you, I think that's so beneath us as a culture. And if it isn't then we got to do my dad's thing. We got to sit down with a cup of coffee and have a long talk with ourselves because that's not the path that's going to heal us if, if we all agree we need healing. Um, but it plays right into the hand of Biden saying, if you don't vote blue right now, the democracy's is going to crash. No, it's not. Stop that nonsense. I, I just talk about a hyperbole in the extreme. I look to our side of the divide, and I look to our opposition, and say we are, as a people, better than this. Now, am I? Am I, Miles? Am I, am I being? <laughs> am I just wrong?
0: No, huh. I would. You know, I, I, it, it either plays to that person's understanding of politics, or it plays to their, it, it demonstrates how passionate they are to the point where they've left, you know, common sense behind and they're just all hyperbole. I,
1: you're right. And part part of what causes me to pull back on some of these things, it's not that I'm more reasonable than anybody else. I don't want to say that. And if Ludd was here, I'd be joking about my first novel, Uh, When I I wrote that, it caused me to do a lot of Civil War research. And when you start thinking about numbers north of 700,000 dying and millions being homeless, and by the way, the highest voter turnouts were the decade immediately before the Civil War. I just think we need to slow the navigation speed and understand what path that puts us on. And then we need to say to ourselves, is that really where we want to go? So I say again about Reagan and Tip O'Neill sitting there having a glass of brandy going, we are never going to agree on these things, these three things, but we might be able to work on those two. We got to get that mature again. I just believe that. We've got to get, of course, I've got people, people will be messaging me and telling me I'm a rhino. I'm an establishment hack because I said, we, I don't want a civil war. We've got to reach out to the other side and say, let's find some commonality and stop with the horse, yuck! <laughs> Jared like that, by the way. <laughs> I I just think we need two miles, so yep. If if that makes me all the labels, I guess I am. Let me redeem myself. Canadian Prime Minister Justin Trudeau becomes first world leader to appear on drag race. So it's a, and I didn't understand it, but my reason for having it on the list, especially following my little spiel I just went through about trying to find consensus and understanding. I don't understand why this is such a big deal for the left right now. Do you have any idea why drag queens are such a big deal to center left, Miles Bauer?
0: Well, I think you and I have talked about this a a little bit, that um, the left wants to change the culture. Right to to something that they feel is far far better. So they don't they don't like the existing culture in the uh, country, and I think part of that goes to they don't want you respecting mom and dad. They want you to respect government.
1: Yeah, i i, I think I think you're sadly correct. Listen, we we are i. I gotta stop myself because there's a first off. Let me give you a little precursor, folks, a little heads up about next week. Next week I'm gonna do an education rant because I think that <laughs> I think Uh-oh. that largely is the foundation of everything we've talked about today. So that is where I'm gonna go. But folks, please do me a favor. Take a look at themicewatshow.com. Again, there are places all over that website to reach out to me. Our bios are on there if you wanna know who the heck you've been listening to. Um, but in the meantime, uh, if, you're, if you're a Republican, smile. It's going to be okay. If you're a Democrat, good luck for you this time. Folks, please be safe, and we will see you next week.